thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Call it Clamato? Yeah, is it Clamato or Clamato? I've never really known. Clamato then, whatever. Yes, Clamato. Clamato. Welcome everybody to the R&R Cats, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Well, thanks for joining us. We are the Ryans of the R&R CatCast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls with a second location in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny, how are you tonight, buddy? Doing well, man. It is frigid over here. How's the temperature over there? Probably colder than where you're at. <laughs> yeah, that you're could on be. the coast, man. Come on now. Hey, my new location. I am like five minutes from Canada. I'm way up north up here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty cold. Yeah, cold. you betcha. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Can't, can't go there right now because you know Americans aren't allowed there. But uh, yeah. Well, my mom called me the other day, and Great Falls is down to like minus 19 or something coming up in a couple of days. So. There you go. I think the whole state of Montana is in a deep freeze right now. I was watching MSU's Instagram just today and all the, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but all the, the players who are not from Montana are just posting news news feeds of them just looking depressing or just depressed about the winter and the cold. And so I feel bad for those guys from LA and uh, Southern California right now. Hey, on the bright side, we canceled spring football. Otherwise, you'd be out there practicing in that. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should be thankful. Yeah, think on the bright side. <laughs> Silver lining. That's why we canceled spring football. You know what else I found out just a little bit more about the beer? Uh, our, our our good friends over at Jeremiah Johnson they have they have beer here in Spokane, and I know where it's at now, Thorny. And I was just looking recently. Jeremiah Johnson posted a picture of of his blonde ale with with the orange juice in it, and uh, I don't know if if that's something you like, but I like to put a put a little bit of orange juice in in a lager every, every now and then. You should mail me some Jeremiah Johnson. Now that it's in the same state, I'm pretty sure it's legal to mail beer as long as it doesn't cross state lines in Washington. So you need to hook me up. I wonder if I could put that through the postal service. I think you can. I'm pretty sure you can. Obviously we should double check that offline, but I'm pretty sure you can mail beer. I mean, there is like beer of the month clubs on all this stuff. That's a good point. 
when I go there to mail the golden coolies, they always ask me if I have any uh, anything illegal, and I always say, you know, just the usual contraband, and uh, gets a little rise out of the lady. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. That's just that funny joke between you guys. Yeah, and the person behind All you right. just rolling their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> First time she gave me a look like uh, what, and I was just like, no, it's just a coolie. Uh, but now that's uh, it's kind of a joke, ongoing joke we have. It's pretty fun. <laughs> nice. So, thorning on tonight's show, we're going to talk about the the pair of losses we accrued down in Ogden, Utah, over last week's trip to the Purple Palace. We're going to well, we'll first we'll lead into the the big news that came in today. That's uh, Montana Montana State's new head football coach. But first, before we do any of that, we're going to talk about what we were drinking and our golden coolies tonight. All right. Well, you queued me up for it and I decided I have the ingredients. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm drinking a red beer with Coors Light and Clamato. Call it Clamato? Yeah, is it Clamato or Clamato? I have never really known. Clamato then, whatever. Yes, Clamato. Clamato. Well, I have a Miller Light with Clamato. So this is like, this is a moment in the R&R that we, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we've ever drank anything remotely similar. But this is pretty yes. pretty unique and pretty pretty on par with each other. I think we were both uh, thought that'd be a good Super Bowl drink, and I'm not going to let my Clamato go to waste. So here we go, drinking a red beer. When's the first time you remember drinking a red beer? I think the first time I can recall it is at, what was the bar, the hideaway? The hideaway in Bozeman, I remember it. They, they had it there. It's the first time I ever had it. I think our... Our buddy Kyle, our mutual friend Kyle, was the one who introduced me to red beer. Mm. Is red beer a Montana thing? I don't know if it's strictly Montana, and I'm pretty sure I've told the story on this podcast before. I was at a friend's wedding in Boston, and I was at a bar there, and I asked for a red beer. And you think I would speaking a whole different language. The guy's talking about, like, do you want, like, a red beer? You know, like a red style beer? Yeah. It's like, no, no. Like, it's like a... You're just a crappy light beer with some, you know, <laughs> tomato juice or Clamato juice in it. And he's like, oh, man, we don't have that. And he, he actually went, like, hold on, he went in the back and found some, um, like, Bloody Mary mix for me, which I yeah. didn't really want, but he was nice enough to go get it, so I did it. But it's not the same. It's not nearly as good. No. Don't put Bloody Mary mix in your beer. It's not nearly as good as a red beer. <laughs> but, yes, I think, it's a, I think it's a fairly regional thing, but I don't think it's strictly Montana, but maybe it's like a... Midwest, Northwest thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I try to introduce it to some of my running buddies over here and they just put up their nose to it. They're like, nah, I ain't going to even sniff that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fair your enough. Loss. <laughs> how, how, uh, how red do you like your red beer? I put a, I put a Twitter poll out on my personal Twitter account because I was curious. So I, if you, if you can see through the beer when you put in your Clamato, it's not red enough. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't want to just flavor it slightly. I want it to be basically like, you taste the Clamato. It's like, now it's like Clamato. <laughs> yeah. I like mine very red. All right. Well, uh, let's move into the big news that came out today around 3 o'clock this afternoon. Montana State hired their 33rd head football coach, Brett Vegan, the offensive coordinator from Wyoming. Any your initial thoughts when you heard the news today? So he had been on the radar for a little while. Um, so honestly, I was, I think it's a good hire. My initial impression is I like the hire. 
we're going to do a deep dive into the hire and potentially what we want the staff to look like or what we think it should look like and all these kinds of things in an episode, probably releasing that on Friday, Thursday, if I'm feeling really um, energetic, but unlikely. But initial impressions are, I think it's a good hire. I think just the fact that you're hiring a guy who's familiar with the level, who knows what it takes to win a national championship at a level of football. And uh, I mean, that alone I think is invaluable and has a similar culture. I think it's a win in a lot of ways. What were your initial impressions? I've had a hard time compartmentalizing it all. I don't know how I feel right yet. I know I need to do some more research on, on the, on the man still a little bit sad about Jeff chill leaving, although I've had some different feelings and I'm sure we'll get into that during that podcast. But, uh, I right now, honestly, Ryan, I just don't know how I feel about it. I, I guess I'm glad the search is over, but, uh, I don't think I could put my finger on how I, how I really feel. So that's all right. We have a few days to, to think about it. It's a little raw still the Jeff, wound i guess you could say like Mm -hmm. especially it sounds like on your side i I totally understand that so we'll get into that on wednesday night when we record so no need to spill it all right now we'll save it for later gotcha i do want to say congratulations to brent vegan on the job so brent i think it's brett it's brent i'm looking at it on msubobcats.com right now well there you go (laughs) a picture of him with his his photoshopped bobcat logo and everything I have much to learn. Yes. Much to learn. Well, that's the exciting fun news. You know, it wasn't so fun. The Bobcats <laughs> getting swept out of the Purple Palace, a place that apparently we've only won at like eight times. Did you hear that <laughs> Something stat? Something weird like that. It's like, I, th- I, think I thought it was six. But yeah, yeah, single eight, digits. Six, whatever. It's like eight and 64 or something ridiculous. Something just terrible. So, well, here's two more goose eggs for that. That's fun so the first game the bobcats travel down to ogden to take a team that many were thinking might be the cream of the crop in the big sky but neither team had truly been tested so it's a big big battle here uh, for first place and the bobcats fell in the first game 88 to 96 in an absolute track meet a game that was just fast-paced scoring at will uh, good offensive execution by both squads and not so great defense by either team the uh, Bobcats shot 49.1% from the field. They shot 50% from three-point land, hit 13 three-pointers, and 72% from the line, and we didn't win because the Wildcats sh- shot 63% from the field, 47 or 46% from downtown, connecting on seven for 15 from three-point land. They were just 68% from the free throw lines. So, but really, you know, they took 60 shots and made 38 of them. Most of them were in the paint, in the layups. Rebounds are pretty even. You go down the line, Bobcats had 15 assists. We were moving the ball around well. The, but we did have uh, the Wildcats had six uh, steals, which is one of the, the key things there. And they also had five blocks. So, Cats with 12 turnovers. And the foul, the foul trouble actually. Kind of hurt us a little bit early on in this one, but uh, overall we went to the line 29 times and Weber just went 19 times. So better opportunities at the stripe in this one, but we just couldn't get it done because we could not slow down Weber State as they rolled to a 96 to 88 victory in game one in the Purple Palace. 
Yeah, let's riff on this game just a little bit before we move on to the next one. Weaver had outscored us in the paint 58-24. to 24. That's the big part of this game. And also in the second half, I know you talked about the blistering stats for field goal percentage for Weaver. They shot 67% in the second half alone. They made 21 out of their 31 shots in the last 20 minutes. That is just outstanding. <laughs> they didn't miss. It was crazy. No, oh. and they they got into the paint a lot and and slashed. And I think this is the game where I felt like the Bobcats got in foul trouble early on. I think there was four fouls called on the Bobcats in the first five minutes of the game. Bello went basically went in there, played one minute, got a foul, got taken out of the game. Or was it the second game? This is where things start to get muddy. <laughs> We watched two of the same games. Bella was sitting early on the first game, not the second game. Yeah, so he like one foul. They took him right out. Like, oh, let's let's not get Bella in foul trouble. So we got like one foul right off the bat. They took him right out. And I, I just felt like the way that Weber State played and the way that the officials called the game kind of dictated how the Bobcats defended for the rest of the game. And Weber State was just getting to the paint at will, and the Bobcats weren't doing a whole lot to, to stop it. So, yeah, just to absolute track me, I did not expect the game to go 96 to 88 like that to almost give 100 points to anybody but uh, as we're going to talk more and more about it Weber State is a offensive juggernaut surprisingly like I first time watching Weber State play this year and they are good oh my gosh so in that game I think all of their starters were double digits as well 16 points 17 points 17 points 10 points 17 points to have that kind of spread against your top five whew, that's that's pretty efficient <laughs> Yeah, wow. their their big center too could shoot the ball. Like all of those guys can shoot. Doesn't even matter. So they had two guys that really killed us that game. It was uh Isaiah Brown, who is their guard, and he is a senior, and he was just a guy that could that could just drive it to the paint and score. He seemed to have such a good like touch that game on those little bunnies that he would just float up there. And then they had Dante Pissett, who was just just a large senior, a forward for them. Uh, he's he trans a transfer from the University of Florida, but man, I just one thing I remember about that game was every time the Montana State Bobcats would get a little bit of momentum, Bissett would just sit there. I not a guy that looks like he could drain a three, but he would just shoot these laser threes and he would just down them and it would just like swing the momentum yeah. right back. They were just line drive three pointers. Yeah. He has no uh-huh. touch, <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of frustrating. Yeah, he was two for three from downtown. The center mm. is six, about the same size as Bello, roughly, like six nine, two forty five, yeah. just a big boy. But uh, yeah, just couldn't contain the three point barrage that Weber State gave us, especially in the second game of the first game. They just got to the the rim at will. Like you said, how many fifty eight points in the paint? Yeah, fifty eight to twenty four. I feel like there's been games this year where we haven't even given up fifty eight points total. Yeah. So. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, track meet game one wasn't what I was expecting, but honestly, the Bobcats operated very well offensively. What did you think of the Bobcats shooting in the first game? It's great. I mean, you look at our stats, you think we would win like probably 80% of the time we play like that, but might have been one of our best offensive outputs all season, but you know, <laughs> Weber State hangs a 96 on us to combat our 88. That's that's tough. That's tough sliding right there. It was a very balanced scoring effort. We had 
six players in double digits led by yeah. Abdul Muhammad, who had probably his best offensive output as a Bobcat. He only had 17 minutes, but seven for nine shooting, four for six from downtown. He really kept us in the game. He also had five defensive rebounds, one offensive rebound. I mean, he played a hell of a game. He ended up with 18 points to lead all scores for the Bobcats. And, you know, I was I was really impressed with him. And honestly, I want to see more Muhammad on the offensive side. Yeah, he seems tentative sometimes. I wish he would have a more defined role as a scorer in our system. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Game one, as we're quickly riffing here before we move on to game no, two? No, I mean, just like I was looking at a quote from Danny Sprinkle. He basically said, you know, we showed up with the wrong mindset and just alluding to the track set mentality that was, they just didn't want to get into a shootout with Weber. Weber has like national rankings when it comes to how offensive efficient or their offense efficiency. So uh, we played into their strength and they just, they, drug us into deep water and uh, took us down. Yeah, Weaver State, real quick here, is the 12th nationally ranked effective field goal percentage shooting team in the country at 56.4%. And this is the Ken Palm rating, which something to do with three-pointers, I don't know. But regardless, they are the 12th ranked in the country. They're 27th in three-point shooting. They are 18th in two-point, two-point shooting. Whatever, field goal. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> do we do basketball podcast a lot no no we don't 24th the free throw i mean they are a team that can score and they can shoot and i don't ha- this doesn't have the uh, scoring on it but i believe they're one of the top scoring teams in the country too so this absolutely just just blew the bobcats out of the arena even though we kept up relatively well with the firepower something that sprinkle teams haven't really been known for yet it was good to see that we could do that but we just came into a team that could not miss and basically got to the rim at will the entire game. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep this thing churning. And uh, after the Bobcats licked their wounds on Thursday, uh, we had a midday showdown over in the Purple Palace again, which we came up short. 74-82. So this one played a little bit different story. Uh, The field goal percentage for Montana State was 42%. Fortunately for for us, we limited um, Weber to 45%. So that was better. We did play a slightly better defense. Uh, eight for 24 for Weber from three, seven for 17 for us. Uh, Percentage-wise, we were 41% for a three-point. They were only 33.3% from three-point. So all of a sudden, you're just looking good, feeling pretty good about the Bobcats at this point. Uh, the main statistic that becomes a little bit muddy is free throws. We shot 16, we made 13, but they shot 30 and made 28. They shot a blistering 93.3%. That's a season high for them from the stripe. We, I mean, we did pretty good too. 81% for us, but they, they almost damn near doubled us up on the amount of free throws uh, they hit and. That was a big factor in, in the game as well as late late game scoring for them. So other than that, when you're looking down through the assists, uh, nine for us, 13 for them. Blocks, three for us, four for them. Total turnovers, 11 for us, 12. So a lot of, a lot of very uh, similar stats in the very end. Uh, but the fouls, we committed 27, they committed 20, but they got to the line 30 times. 
and we only got to the line 16. 27 is a ton of fouls in a basketball game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they were in the the bonus pretty quickly in the second half, if I remember correctly. And I think like six or seven minutes in the game, they're in the double bonus, like left in the game. It was a, uh, I don't believe it was poorly officiated or anything. I mean, they're just such a big physical team that can drive. We just, that's what kind of happens when a, an opponent physically imposes their will on you. Uh, you're going to try and foul them to stop them. And it's, it's just what you kind of do. And we got to line 30 times and they missed two. They missed two of those. That's, that is absurd. <laughs> Yeah, it was led by uh, their phenom sophomore, CQ Sisoha Jawara. Hey, nice. Good job. There you go. Yeah, he had 25 points. Um, He had five. He was five from six from three-point land. Most notably, at the very end of the game, when we had a little bit of momentum right there, by, uh, Mike Hood hit a three-pointer with like one minute, 36 seconds left or somewhere in there. I, I uh he would come back and he hit two back-to-back threes that basically iced the game for Weber at the very end. And then they just took off. They went on a little run at the very end, but man, that guy was just lights out. Yeah. We, we pulled within three there at the end. Like you said, Mike could hit a three pointer. And this is the story of the series. And you, you texted me this multiple times that the Bobcats couldn't get a stop and a score seemingly put it together and make a stop. And we'd go down and turn it over. We just mm. couldn't put it together enough. We got within three. And I think what if I remember the sequence of events correctly, we got it within three. Then Weaver went down and scored a layup. And then we came down and Bishop got called for a questionable travel in yeah. which he ended up with him scoring a layup himself, but he got called for the travel. And then all of a sudden we're down by five. And I think that uh, Jawara comes down and hits a three-pointer and all of a sudden it's eight. And then there, there's the game. There's the ball game. So we yeah. gave it a good run at the end. Um, but we just couldn't put it together. We just couldn't quite make the run and overtake them or tie the game there at the end because we just, yeah, we couldn't put it together. It's very frustrating well, to watch the like both series or both games the entire time that just kept happening. It seemed like Montana State was really good at holding it together for the first like sixty minutes of the game, but then in the last or excuse me, 60 minutes. That's the wrong set, or that's the wrong number. The first 30 minutes of the game, but the last 10 minutes, we really kind of struggled. And when you look at some of the stats, like in this game, we went on a 15 to four run, basically with like, that ended right around two minutes left into the game. That's going to hurt you. <laughs> you know, I mean, prior to that, like I, I think about like seven minutes left in the game, we were up by five points. We had like our largest lead. We were feeling pretty good, even though, um, Xavier Bishop was in some foul trouble. He went to the bench and we responded pretty well coming out of that. Mike Hood hit a couple big shots for us and feeling good. Bellow had a dunk, then he had a layup. So we had some momentum. But th- just as fast as we would gain that momentum, they would just come back and just hit a couple shots right away. Just boom, boom. And they played at a faster pace than we did um, through this whole series. And so they would just press it down and just they would kick it out for a three or they would like, Brown would slash to the basket and do a little bunny. And all of a sudden, they would just recapture the momentum and it's just really quick. And it seemed like it was just a struggle for Montana State to keep pace with them. And ultimately, we didn't. No, you're right. And that's absolutely correct. And yeah, we did get in foul trouble there. Bishop and Adamu both um, got some serious foul trouble down the stretch. And that actually was definitely impacted the game because Bishop had to come out and Adamu 
was really keeping us together uh, down the stretch mm-hmm. there. He was hitting those those tough shots. He was elevating up and over people. He ended up with 19 points to lead all scorers for us. But yeah, he got four fouls there and he had to come out there with a few minutes left in the game to try and save him for the end. Same with Bishop. And then uh, who came in for... Yeah, Nick Gazalis came in for a little bit. He played 11 minutes in this game off the bench and you know he was largely ineffective. And I think... Um, I, I like Nick Gazalis, but his defense isn't the same level as Adamu. He's just not athletic as he is. I remember... I think Jawara had one of those three-pointers where he came off the screen and Gazelas went behind the screen and left him wide open. And I think it's a that's a play where Adamu probably goes above the screen and gets, gets a hand in there and makes it makes him not even take that shot. So yeah, it, it definitely inflected things down the end. We got some big foul trouble in this in this game, but we did a lot better job of limiting Weber State scoring. But what are you going to do when a guy, you know, like? Jawara just catches fire and goes five for six from downtown and seven for nine from the field and six for six from the line. I mean, 25 points. There's not much you can do when a guy's feeling like that. No. And and he wasn't the only one. Weber State just could score from all angles. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from this weekend was, one, they were a scoring machine. And two, their players just look more mature. Did you notice how like broad their shoulders were and just how big and tall on all spots? of the floor they were they just looked like grown men compared to the bobcats yeah no they definitely uh you know as coulter would say like they're off the bus kind of guys for as a football term but you can you can use it here <laughs> like they're just uh yeah the big boys they got like the nba bodies already and they just they look different than a big sky team does they yeah. look more like they're like a big team big 10 team or like a big east team or something like that so thorny what did you think about weaver's ability to score at will you know it's hard because was it a collapse in the Bobcat defense or was is Weber just that good? I mean, Weber hadn't been scoring that much against big sky opponents. I don't think as they did against us, I could be wrong on that, but certainly not 96 points. So I think we kind of got into the trap there, but you know, I think Weber state is an elite scoring team in the big sky and they're only going to get better as their five brand new transfers that are starting this year over last year. So I think, Honestly, they're just going to get better and better, and I think they're an elite scoring team in the Big Sky Conference. Hmm. Well, that puts Weber at 11-4 overall, and I would say, Ryan, that Weber's probably, right now, the best team in the Big Sky. Agreed. Yep, definitely. First time seeing them. Came away super impressed. I think they're going to be a very tough team to beat on the way to the Big Sky Championship and in the tournament. So my second question to you, Ryan, is what did this weekend, these two games, what did they tell you about MSU? I was actually impressed with MSU. After watching Weber and realizing what kind of team they have, what kind of dudes they have in their squad, the fact that the Bobcats had a chance to win both these games, like make a few mistakes here and there, and that we could we were neck and neck with them for a long time, and that we could compete, and I was actually came away overall with a positive impression of the Bobcats moving forward. How about you? Yeah, it kind of answered some lingering questions in my mind going into the week. You know, we had uh, discussed, you know, is Montana State for real? We were sitting at top of the conference. We hadn't played uh, the cream of the conference yet. And I, I think we just played right now the best team in the conference. We lost, but we, we hung. But we, we're just not to the level they are quite yet. And I think it, that 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 late game surge that Weber displayed both both days. I think if we could match that going down 
um, in, into March. I, I think, you know, if we can meet these guys in Boise, that, that's going to be a fun game. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. That would be something I would be just completely up for. I think you at one point said the game felt, the second game felt like a tournament game. Yeah. That had that level had that of intensity. Chippiness, yeah. Had that intensity to it. Yeah, for sure. Do you think, um, one last question for you before we get out of here on this. Do you think this changes your opinion on on the Bobcats defense, which had statistically been very good up until this point? No, not necessarily, but I think it gives them something to look at. I think this might have exposed some of the weaknesses that we might have had. I know we played better when we came out in the 1-3 zone, and we seemingly switched it up, or 1-3-1 zone in the second day, and we also played a little bit of a, a different type of zone as well that I wasn't familiar with, but it wasn't just straight up, man. Uh, I think Montana State uh, has some stuff to work on for sure, and I think Weaver State uh, definitely exposed some of that, but are we as good as I thought? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that's uh, I want to say that our effort was there, uh, but that's a great question, Ryan. You got me stumped. What do you think on that? You know, I was hoping you wouldn't pass it back to me, but uh, honestly, <laughs> I still think the Bobcats are a good defensive team. I just we think we ran into a team that plays at a level, a tempo, and can shoot from anywhere on the court. I mean, I just don't think we were at that level to defend that yet, but I think once we get back to some other teams in the Big Sky, uh, I think we're still a top half um Defense and team, uh, honestly, a lot of questions, re- remaining questions are going to be answered next weekend when we play Eastern Washington. I think it's going to be a huge series for the Bobcats to prove if we are pretenders or contenders. Well, put it this way, Ryan, I was just thinking about this. I think the Montana State Bobcats are learning how to play and win as a team under Danny Sprinkle. I think Danny Sprinkle is still a young coach. I mean, we have just a limited amount of time with him and the players that he's been able to recruit in his second year and get them to the place that they are now. He's he's crafting an identity of not only offensive flow but defensive minded teams, and you can you can really see that the Bobcats are not quite where he's going to get the Bobcats, and so we're still we're still learning, we're still improving, and I like that we have a month left before we get to Boise. That's 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 the best part. I do I do say after watching this against Weaver State, I really wish we would we would have had a go at the Grizz. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, All right. I think we could have swept the Grizz. Yeah, I, th- I think that is a possibility as well. Um, they did not, not look good against Portland State. Tell you that. Mm-mm. Nope. All right. So before we get out, last question Who is your MVP of this series for the Bobcats? It's tough to pick an MVP when we lose both games, but I think the, the player that affected the play the most was Xavier Bishop. He was the guy that uh, dictated a lot of terms on offense. And uh, was the guy that was a spark plug for us when we needed him. Um, he commanded double teams and he could score. Uh, he, when he got in foul trouble, that really hurt us in the second game. So just his effect on both sides of the floor, I think uh, I'm going to go with Xavier. What about you? That would be my choice too. It was a hard one because I could have picked like Adamu. I thought he had mm-hmm. a solid series too. Bello always has a solid series when he when he's not on the bench with foul trouble. But I think Bishop was definitely the guy who kept us in it, especially the second game. He was bombing threes. He looked really good. He kind of elevated himself even after having a pretty good game one. Just got some ticky-tack fouls called against him in the in the g- game two. And mm-hmm. I also think Bishop is is crafty. 
And I wonder if that's starting to come back to haunt him a little bit because he legitimately gets fouled and he doesn't get calls. But I wonder if that part of that is because he does so much to like act a little bit on trying to get fouls called on him. Like he'll, he's definitely the kind of guy who like gets you in the air a little bit and he just jumps right into you like, Oh, (laughs) like throws the ball up at the hoop. (laughs) So, um, he didn't get the calls some, and I think that there's plenty of legitimate calls against him, but that's a complete tangent. Regardless, I think he was the, the MVP for the Bobcats for this series for sure. Cool. All right. Well, next up for the Bobcats, we travel back to Bozeman to play Eastern Washington, who is currently the 135th ranked team in Ken Palm, which is surprising. Like they've been climbing the ranks, but they've played virtually nobody for a few weeks. They played Sac State and Idaho. Sac State is 232. Idaho is 350. They swept both those games. They're on a five-game winning streak after splitting against Northern Colorado, and then they split with uh, Southern Utah before that. So. Currently sitting at eight and six, seven and two in conference. Eastern, I think, has maybe underwhelmed a little bit of people this year, but they kind of got things the ship righted here. So it's going to be a huge matchup for the Bobcats um, Thursday and Saturday. Montana State seems to struggle when we play Eastern Washington. So I'm really interested to see how we perform with these guys. Yeah, we're not going to get into too much of a preview because we're not really a preview show, but I, I just want to talk real quick about the importance of this series because I think. Yeah, like you said, just a couple of things we can knock off. We don't beat them too often in basketball, so that's just big just to get that kind of monkey off your back. But it's a huge showdown to really see if the Bobcats are ascending the ladder in the Big Sky Conference to get in that top three, top five position that the Bobcats just really haven't been in in quite a while. Yeah. You know, uh, Eastern let Idaho hang around for a while before they buried them in the fourth. And so... Montana State can score the ball. That's one thing that's uh, proven to me this year when I'm watching them. We can score many different ways. I think Montana State Eastern is going to be a really fun matchup. Yeah, I'm looking at their last three games. Uh, they're averaging about 90 points a game. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. That defense that we were talking about is going to have to show up for sure. Yeah, but they're scoring 90 against Idaho. Idaho is horrible. <laughs> like, Idaho so bad. is historically bad. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if anyone out here has watched Idaho. They are p- quite possibly the worst Big Sky Conference team I've ever seen. And now, you know, now we're going to lose to them. Do we play them? <laughs> yeah, we do. We finished the year. Yeah, gosh, yeah. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna be looking at, like, the two seed, and we're going to lose to Idaho and bump down to the fifth seed. Come on. Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, segment we're going to try tonight? All right. We're going to finish with a little. We're going to do a throwback for our listeners. We're going to do a little buy or sell tonight. Yeah, we suit all the time for football, but we're going to crank it out. Fired up. <laughs> all right. So Ryan and I, uh, we talked to earlier today. We can say we're going to do some two, two blind by ourselves for each other. So uh, Thorny, do you want me to go first or you, buddy? Why don't you hit me? All right. By ourselves, Thorny. MSU goes over 500 in the last eight games. I'm going to buy that. I think the Bobcats can get it done, man. I'm I'm buying so we play Eastern this coming up week. So we got two against the Eastern, two against Idaho State, two against Idaho thereafter. And we finish up March 4th, March 6th against Sac State. So, okay, man, you're going to buy that. We're going to go over 500. Do you think we're going to like get over this like one game, 500 plus or minus one game 
uh, this year? That's a whole nother question, but uh, so we're sitting 11 to five. So if we go over 500, then yeah. Then yeah. Yeah. Mathematically, Project- it, it checks out. <laughs> Projected record is 14 and eight, 11 and five in conference. So there you go. Oh yeah. Sorry. Right. I was looking at the, I was looking at that instead of the actual record, but yes, yes, I think we can do it. Cool. Okay. Second one. Last one for me. Uh, buy or sell thorny. MSU fills a football game this spring. Sell. So, I think with the new coach hire, I don't think we're going to get on the field. Okay. Sad, got, sad as it is, I just don't see it getting put together. If it wasn't going to get put together with Choate, it's not going to get put together with Vegan. I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's some football. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to fire back at you. Buy or sell. Xavier Bishop wins two more Big Sky Conference Players of the Week. Two more? Uh, I'm going to sell. Two or more, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to sell. I'm going to maybe one. You might win more. I think he's won two so far, right? Yeah. Okay. There's some good, there's some good players in the Big Sky, no doubt. That's true. Weber opened my eyes for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard if Weber can, can do that against other teams. But, uh, you know, we got some games where I think Bishop can really fly. So we'll see. All right. Buy or sell uh, the not Bobcat-related question here. Tom Brady is more palatable in Tampa Bay. Oh, that's easy buy for sure. Yeah, I've, I was rooting for him. <laughs> I had the realization, as quite a few people, they were like, actually, I don't really hate Tom Brady. I just hate the Patriots all along. So there you go. <laughs> Some sort of combination of the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady yeah. just didn't do it for a lot of people. But now that we've removed one part of that equation, you know what? I actually found myself rooting for Tom Brady, too. I've never thought I was a fan. I just more, I just mostly wanted to see him accomplish this crazy feat where he first year not playing with Bill Jack, not for the Patriots after that great run he had there at the age that he is to go out and win a Super Bowl was just, I had to root for that. Just a crazy story. So we're a Patriot fan. Do you think Patriot fans were salty last night? <laughs> I have no idea. I bet they were. What if, what if a uh, Texas wins a national championship on the heels of Jeff Choate's Texas best defense they've ever had in their entire history are we gonna be salty absolutely nah i won't be i'll be happy for joe uh i'll be happy but i'll be salty at the same time it's like sweet and salty is a perfect (laughs) mix right (laughs) all right thorny get us out of here all right well thanks everyone for listening to our basketball episode as we continue to try and dial in the format here don't know how this went but uh, we're gonna release it anyway so um, wanted to record the the news about Brett Vegan, but we, you know, we got the basketball thing going here. So honestly, probably for the best that we have another day or two to think about vegan and do some research. Anyway, find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. You can always visit us on our website, RRCatCast.com. You can find us on BobCatNation.com. We both post there. We have a couple threads, the RRCatCast recurring thread we have going there. And thanks again to Jeremiah Johnson for sponsoring the show. And as always, Foley, let's end this with a Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. All right. I got places to be.